Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive, high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. This podcast, I'm bringing back a guest. So let me start there. I'm bringing someone back at your request. So, <laughs> you know, I'm excited about this. My guest today is Zoe. What is the last name, Zoe? Flagu. There you go. All right. Flagu. <laughs> I swear I went on Google to, to Google your name and I listened to it for 30 minutes going with the same thing over and over again. <laughs> that was the Colombian <laughs> version. Of oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, guys, um, if you'll remember, let me just take you back. Zoe's last episode was posted November 20, 28th of 2022. It was number 20, 120. It was called mobbing in the workplace, which mobbing is just another word for bullying in the workplace. And, and the question then was, how can you protect your self-esteem in the face of workplace uh, mobbing or bullying? And we just got, I mean, my clients, different people I, that heard the podcast just started sending questions in about, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is this about? How do I handle it, et cetera? And so I thought it'd be great. And Zoe was so kind to give us an, another half hour or so of her time just to answer your questions and the situations that you are facing. Let me remind you um, that she is an organizational psychologist and has a diploma in business coaching and mentorship and is certified as an agile leader in agile leadership. Her work really focuses on how corporate culture affects personality, intelligence, and um, our being, our, our identity in itself. She is operating professionally, so she has a sideline of business among all the other things that she's doing, um, where she is taking on projects around cultural transformation, employee training and development, business coaching, um, branding, public speaking, writing, it, you name it, she's in it. And she's doing a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous job. So with that, how you doing, Zoe? Hola, Denise. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Where are you at? I'm in Athens in Greece. And I've dressed like my background today. I don't know if you know this. They didn't have any purpose. It was a complete accident. But now, Let's, let's roll with it. Uh, finally, the weather is back to normal here in Greece because all the previous time it was snowing, which never happened. So we're not used to it. So it was very exotic for us. But now back to heat. And I, I'm very happy that I'm back. And uh, it's a real honor that the episode got so much traction, so much interest. And I can't wait to hear the audience's questions, actually, and address them. Yes. And guys, just so we know, this I did not send her the questions ahead of time. So this is her being the fabulous coach that she is capable oh. of. 
help I hope you help. didn't make it too tough on me, guys. But you know, you know what you're getting in now. You carried the first episode, so I'm gonna be 100% myself. <laughs> so let's start with reminding people what is mobbing. Uh, like you already said, basically mobbing is what we call workplace bullying, and mobbing. Uh, is usually a group activity in a sense that we might be having one person that is the bully and it's mobbing another person, but there are also all the observers, the other team members that are watching this behavior and don't stop it. Obviously, mobbing, the big difference that it takes in the workspace is that most probably it won't end up with illegal behaviors because then the bully will get fired. But it has everything except illegal behaviors and physical violence. For example, it's like, One example might be spreading a lot of gossips or rumors in the workspace in order to create a difficult environment for the other person. Another thing might be isolating the person that's getting mobbed. Uh, Isolating sometimes socially, but also physically. Like, for example, telling them, oh, you you can't fit now. We're all eating, but we don't have any room for you. So you can go eat alone or you don't fit anymore in these offices. Go and work alone in the basement. Another thing might be taking credits for their work or creating situations in which they will expose themselves and make mistakes, like, for example, hiding a deadline from them or giving them uh, some tasks to do on a very short notice so that they're going to have problems. So basically, all these behaviors, when they're being targeted against a specific person to the point that they get fired or they are forced to quit, Mm -hmm. because that's the end goal of mobbing. It's not something that just happens just because. It has a goal, and the goal is for the person that's being mobbed to be removed from the workspace. Do you think that people actually know that that behavior will lead to it? So is it intentional? That it is 100% intentional, yeah. Okay. And uh, we have a lot of research as to why a specific person is getting targeted. So usually it's a matter of diversity. For example, we're all men and this it's a woman or a different ethnicity or you know different sex orientation. One reason can be diversity. But the most common is that this person is bringing something in the workspace uh, that will lead to change and we don't want this change to happen. Like uh, it's a new idea or a new way of doing things or sometimes even a new know-how, like it's a more educated person than the rest or it has a a degree on something, so it's going to change the process. Or all of us, we're like working two hours and then pretending to work for eight hours and then this person comes and ends up doing uh, two times the same job at uh, the same time. And that's going to challenge our status quo the way we have created it. So uh, one supervisor asked me, how do I know, like really know that it's not fear of change? That's a a very uh, interesting topic that you put here is that there is a confusion between the motivation and the behavior. Mm -hmm. Whether it's fear of change or, or not, that's the motive that leads to the behavior of mobbing. And we shouldn't care about the motive. Because every time we focus on someone's motivation, we lose track of reality. That Mm -hmm. means that we end up responding to our idea, our interpretation of their motives instead of their actual behaviors. Mm -hmm. If someone is mobbing someone else, this needs to stop. And it doesn't matter if it's fear. Most most of the times it's fear. And most of the times I can also argue that it's about control and it's about power. And since when fear of change is something good? And since when... Being afraid to change is something that should be tolerated. Some years ago, we didn't have equal rights for people and for women and for gay people. And that was probably fear of change. So, And what? Do we justify it? Oh, that's good. We need to, we think we need to tweet that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
do not focus on the intention. Focus on the behavior. Exactly. <laughs> and the behavior is always about fear. Most of it, like, it can be about fear. The problem is that the biggest problem we have when we're trying to focus on people's intentions and motivation, and that's the main reason why I always argue that we should never do that because we're not other people's mothers or therapists or judges, is that we don't know why they do it. And sometimes you ask someone and they don't know about themselves. Mm-hmm. You ask a person, why do you do that? And they'll say, oh, I don't know. I woke up that morning or that's how it felt right or whatever. And they've no idea. So it can't be about fear and it can't be about control and it can't be about gaining power. And it can't be because of sadism or because of pure psychopathy. Who knows? And who cares? We're not just judged for our intentions and we're not judged for our thoughts. Mm-hmm. We're only judged for what we're doing. Great, great, great. Okay, I'm going to switch it a little bit. So I have, I had a couple clients and other people I was talking to that said, I didn't know how is how early on it starts. How do I cut it off before it gets to the point where they've got a group of people or this person is so intense that I lose it? Well, for one thing, we need to understand that it always builds up. It will scale. It will build up. It will progress. So there's no reason for us to be in denial about it. A mistake that many people do is that they are opposed a bad behavior or a problematic behavior or somebody violating their boundaries. And then they think that if they just let it slide these ones, it will be just these ones. But it's never these ones. If somebody doesn't respect you and doesn't respect your boundaries, of course, they will cross them again. People tend to be like water. The more room you leave for them, the more room they will occupy. Mm -hmm. So one thing that needs to be clear is that You do need to do something. Let's start there. And now let's address what you can do. In my opinion, something that I tend to say to my clients, and I translate it back from Greek, so sometimes it's hard for them to understand, so I'll explain it, is that when you have a plant, let's say, that's killing the other plants, you need to burn this plant from the root Mm. so that it goes away. The, The same thing basically applies to all toxic behaviors in the workspace. You need to stop them the first time they manifest and burn them from the root. Otherwise, you will lose the power that you have to address them in an equal level of tension. Because when a behavior is scaling, then probably your nerves will scale as well. Your confusion will scale Mm -hmm. and you're going to be mad about it. So you yourself are also going to overreact most probably. And I say overreact because sometimes the other person is mobbing you, but then there are other times that they're just stupid and they don't understand that they're being violating and or other times they're just too extroverted for example or too passionate whatever it can be so first of all in order to be sure that we're being mobbed here we need to address it and speak up and speak about our needs and ask questions about questions like okay why did you do that or what does it mean or let's say we think that somebody made uh, a snarky comment and in order in front of everyone And they have as a goal to insult us. Okay. A good question is, okay, yeah, I understand that. But why do you bring it up in front of everyone now? How is this relevant to this conversation? And depending on their answer, you know if they're just trying to bully you or actually they had something in their minds. An important thing here is also that sometimes we create these situations for ourselves. We believe that we are victims. So we, we start acting like victims and we might have no idea. What's happening? Before our call, I had a session with one of my clients and she's very insecure. Therefore, she projects a lot. 
all the time. She's projecting her emotions to other people. And we were discussing about something and I said, okay, no, you can do that. Uh, I don't remember what exactly what I said. And then she says to me, oh, no, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe you, Joe. but it's not because I don't believe your methods. It's just that I don't believe in myself. Mm. And I said to her, not even for one second did they think that you didn't believe in my methods. So you're just projecting your emotions in me. Mm-hmm. And that's very often, actually, mm-hmm. that we believe that we might be getting mobbed. And it's not necessary that we're getting mobbed. So you need to clear it out. Don't be afraid to say, why did you say that? Or what do you mean like that? Go to the boss and say, excuse me, uh, but since this was my idea, why didn't I implement this project? Do you think that I don't have the skills for it? Or do you think that the other person is more capable? And let's say that they say, okay, yeah, I think that it was a good idea, but they're more experienced. Perfect. Can I join the, 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 the task force so that I can learn? And that next, the next time I can also you know, implement my own ideas. Mm-hmm. Can I be next to them so I see what they did and how they did it? These are very important things. We need to collect data. And in order to make decisions, we need to have information. And not be afraid of asking the questions. But And just to dovetail on that or to dig a, maybe a dig a little deeper on that, the, what you said earlier was is that one of the issues that people might be dealing with or your particular client in this situation is lack of security or insecurity. They're feeling insecure about their ability. So I want to know, is do you think it's, or did you ask her, him, is, are they insecure about their ability to say it, that it's okay to say it? Is there just a fear of saying it? Because if I say this, they're not going to like me. Where do you think that insecurity comes from? It's all of the above. And it can be even more. It can be coming from their parents. It can be coming from the school. There are many cultures in this world that are much more prone to being humble and not flexing and not bragging and not separating yourself from the community. For example, Asian cultures and Scandinavian cultures, it's more possible for these people to be a little, take a step back. And not, while in more Western societies like USA or like Greece or Italy or Spain, then there people are way more assertive. Mm-hmm. So it can be a million reasons. And again, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. What matters is what at the end you're going to do. What I say to everyone is that if you feel that something is going to help you and you're afraid, do it scared. It doesn't make any sense for me to tell you, oh, don't be afraid. It's stupid. I would never insult someone by telling them, not acknowledging their emotions. I'm just saying that we need to train ourselves in a way that our emotions don't stand in the way of our actions. Great segue, emotional intelligence. A lot of what is coming out and being promoted, or you see a lot, maybe it's just me, I see a lot, is that you have to have compassion you have to, you know, have empathy to help the other person um, see a different point of view, etc. And and some of my the people who are asking questions are in trying to do that, they just feel like they're giving in, that the person is seeing them as weak, and they just don't like the feeling of acknowledging that the behavior is inappropriate out of it. So, example. Had, a, um, had someone who was their coworkers were on an assigned project with them. And basically what they did, the coworkers didn't believe in the project. They, I don't know what the issues were, but they clearly weren't participating fully um, in working through the project. And they would not, you know, she'd send out notes and say, hey, I need your feedback. She'd not get any feedback. Mm-hmm. I I need this. And then when it came to present to the to the um to the manager, 
they would all of a sudden go into what I call the shark vengeance of, well, that's wrong. And this is wrong. And that's wrong. And this is wrong, which made her look like she hadn't done her work when they actually hadn't responded. And when I asked her, I said, well, you know, first of all, when they missed a deadline, why don't you just go back and say, hey, Denise, you were supposed to give me your feedback. If I, you know, what's that look like? Da, 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 da. Or in the meeting, my answer would have been, oh, I'm so happy that you all decided to do this. It would have been nice if you'd have met the deadline that I set out there. She said, oh, that'd be so embarrassing for people. I'm like, eh. but okay, that's me. What are other ways if, or do you, have you seen it and what ways might work in terms of cutting it off? And this idea of, oh, I need to be more compassionate. They're working so much, blah, blah, you know, those kinds of comments are coming back to me. If you're empathetic with everyone, that's just being a victim. That's mm-hmm. that we have a name for it and stop trying to address your, and solve your inner conflict of being afraid of confrontation by believing that you're an ethical and high, higher morale person who is very empathetic and compassionate and you understand your abuser because that's not what's happening. You're just afraid of conflict mm-hmm. and you don't want to solve the issue that you have. And it's okay. We can help you. I can help you. Denise can help you. There are many people that can help you because that's what we do. It's our business. But in order for us to be able to help you, you need to ask for help. And for you to ask for help, you need to know that you have a problem. And your problem is not that you are too empathetic. Your problem is that you are too afraid of conflict and confrontation. Even when other people are openly abusive and openly violating, you stall and stall and stall your reaction. And then it scales so much that you can't solve it anymore. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of all these people that go for interviews. So you have interviewed people and always you, I have also interviewed people. And every time I ask them, what's your biggest weakness? You know, mm-hmm. always they tell me stuff like, I'm too much of a perfectionist or I'm too empathetic and that stresses me or uh, I'm too workaholic. And obviously these aren't your weaknesses. Like, what do you think? This is my first rodeo. Obviously, these aren't weaknesses. You know it and I know it. So just tell me what the real weakness is. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's the same thing here. If something is not functional, don't try to dress it with beautiful colors. Like Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're a victim, you're a victim. Deal with it. Like that's your problem you need to solve. Don't try to solve the fact that you are so compassionate that uh, you don't want to hurt others and that's why you don't put boundaries. No, your problem is not that you're too compassionate. Your problem is you don't know how to put boundaries. The other piece of it is, is that people will give the, the example of, well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job if I do this. If they don't feel like I'm a good team player or if I'm a nice person in the workplace, I'm going to okay, lose my job. If they send you away and they fire you because you ended an abuse that's low-key happening, mm-hmm. then this isn't an environment for you anyway. Mm-hmm. This environment, like you can get fired in the beginning before you have a crisis, an identity crisis and the burnout and uh, being uh, mobbed and abused for uh, endless years. No, it's okay. Like, if that's the environment that puts up with these kind of behaviors and they think that you're overreacting and they're gaslighting you when it comes, instead of validating your own emotions, it's not an environment for you or for everyone. Let them be together. That's what they need to do. It's okay. But you can go. And be happy about it. Think yes, about you saved your Yeah, you saved your mental health. Mental health, energy, time. Mm-hmm. And also, that's also something I'm, I'm getting a little sick of because frankly, most of the people, they don't have the kind of the job that is once in a million opportunity that if I have this job or I can't find anything else, like it's this one, I'm like, I'm a very specialized, I don't know, 
making uh, red nails from gold. And there's only <laughs> one company in the world that does that. So if I lose these opportunities, oh, I, I won't find a job. No, most of the people are there. They're like therapists, they're accountants. They're okay. You can find something else to do. Mm-hmm. This isn't an excuse. This is an excuse you say to yourself because you're afraid of changing. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Everyone is afraid of changing. Do it scared. Do it scared. That's the new one. unsolicited advice by Zoe. Do it scared, people. Do it scared. Um, last time we talked a little bit about um, the difference between um, conflict and conflict resolution and conflict management. And so I want to make sure that we're kind of bringing that back into the conversation because I thought that was a really good way of delineating conflict in the workplace shouldn't be about trying to battle it out, but the conflict, the managing of the conflict. Can you, can you dig a little deeper or give us some more ideas around or separate the idea of the, you know, conflict resolution versus conflict management and managing conflict? Conflict resolution is, let's say, in these examples that we say that somebody says something in the workspace and uh, I feel like they're trying to insult me and then I smile and I let it go. I have managed the conflict. There was no conflict that arose at that particular moment. And I might be feeling good for myself and say, it's nice because you know what? I managed my anger and I didn't say anything. So I managed the conflict. Yeah, but he still insulted you. That hasn't changed. Therefore, you didn't manage anything. You just postponed it for later. Because next time, most probably he's got, there's going to be a next time. Because if mm-hmm. a person is violating, they're not just violating once. It's their character or their personality or their modus operandi, whatever. It's going to happen again. So what about next time? And that's the difference between conflict resolution and conflict management. Because when you actually want to resolve a conflict, the moment they will say something insulting, you won't just let it slide. You will manage your anger so that that you can address it in a good and positive way. Like we said before, uh, excuse me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can own it. Let's say that you say a very embarrassing story about me in front of her, in front of everyone in the office, okay? I can say, yes, yes, that was really embarrassing. And I learned so many things from it, like one, two, three. But how come and you're bringing it up now? Is there any reason you remembered it in front of everyone? So mm. that's managing a conflict. Because I take the ball with my rocket when you hit it, and I hit it back. And mm-hmm. now it's on you. And you need to explain why you made that comment? Just just so the audience knows, and this is one of those kind of getting to the per, uh, personal side of it, because clearly your superpower is uh, managing, <laughs> resolving conflict before it gets to where it needs to be. How did you get into this? Why? What? What? What drove you to this? What's your passion around this? Well, I'm I'm a woman in a very patriarchal society that's called Greece, and. Uh, I also tend to speak a lot about what's on my mind. Therefore, I had two choices. Either I would become really good at it, at not being put in the corner, mm-hmm. speaking up for myself and not letting anyone push me around, mm-hmm. or just, you know, stay in my hometown and be happy that I that they allow me to be alive. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't laugh. We have a we have a huge problem in Greece with women killing, actually. Oh. Yeah, you don't hear. Is it killing them. themselves or being killed? No, no, they're being killed by husbands or ex-husbands or boyfriends. But uh-huh. like, it's it's to the point of once a week, almost there is one woman that we hear in the news that somebody murdered her. 
So it's a bit like that. This is one of the issues. Mm-hmm. But I think that, well, it is also a gender issue, but it's not primarily a gender issue. This is an attribute that many people face, and they can be men as well. But they are put in the corner because of their beliefs or because of their character or because of any reason, basically. And I don't know if you've ever read Charles Bukowski. He's one of my favorite writers. But he says that the more untamed someone's nature is, the more other people are trying to tame them. And I think that that's something that should be put in our mind, that if we really want to live our lives and be free and independent, we will annoy people. Like they're not used to it and because many people don't do it for themselves, then they will try to create a situation that you can do it for yourself as well. Right. So you need to make a choice. Are you going to be okay with that? Or are you going to just do whatever else you want to do, except what other people want you to do? Right. So, okay. So somebody's listening to this today and they're sitting there going, you know what? I'm sick and tired of where I've been. I've been the victim. I didn't know I was the victim, but I've been the victim and I don't want this victim mindset anymore. What would be your suggestions to help them, you know, break the habit of being a victim? You know, maybe they, every time something happens, they apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that to happen. Or, Oh, okay. I will. I'll take that on. You you can't do it. Oh, I'll take that work on, kind of thing. And so, what would be some of what would be one or two things that you would say if you're interested in breaking that? Here's mm-hmm. where you start. First thing is don't ignore your intuition. It's probably right. Like if you're not completely dysfunctional as a human being, and if you're like so dysfunctional, you are probably listening to a business podcast. So I assume that you are in a business environment. Then by default, you're functional. Your instincts are probably right. If you feel like somebody's being mean to you, probably they're mean. If you're feeling like somebody's toxic or that they're insulting, again, most probably you're right. They're insulting. So hear these intuitions and then dive more into it. Respond. At first, respond at the same level of tension. But at the same time, don't be afraid to escalate if they don't cut it off. Something that I really like, you know, I've worked in corporations and many people are very (laughs) trained in being passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. And me, I can't be passive aggressive. It's a complete waste. Technically, I guess I can, but I would never do it because it's a waste of energy and time for me. (laughs) So what I do is if someone is passive aggressive, I become openly aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So what does that look like? (laughs) What is that? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Okay. (laughs) I was in a meeting some years ago. Okay. And there's this lady that was, she didn't like me. Okay. She didn't like me. And she was always gossiping about me, creating rumors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, I was pulling situational pranks on her. Like I was doing jokes, but nothing mean. I was just like to tease her because she didn't like me. But she was also trying to demean me all the time and insult me, but also in a very passive aggressive way. Like, and there was this one time, for example, that we were in a meeting with the CEO and the general manager, and she was there. And she would say, for example, okay, uh, honey, she would call me, okay, honey, but what about that? And I was like, for starts, why do you call me honey? Like, I can't, have I ever called you names? No. So why do you call me honey? And she's like, "Eh, I just call you honey. I didn't call you stupid or something. It's not something bad. I said, you know very well what you're doing, because if you didn't know what you were doing, you would call me honey all the time. But you only call me honey in front of the CEO and the general manager because you want to make me feel small. And I tell you, it's a very cheap power play. I'm not going to buy it. So stop it. And then 
at the up to that point, I'm at the same level, okay? Mm-hmm. Openly aggressive from my part, but still same level. And then she, we continue the discussion, and she's like, "Yeah, but sweetheart." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Like I said, I can also do that. I can call you Karen, and I can call you old lady. Have I ever done that? No. The way I, <laughs> oh my God, but <laughs> I've never done that. So you can address me with my name, and my name is Soy. You know my name, so address me." And she's like, okay, you're overreacting. You're not trying to go slide me. And then, like 10 minutes later, she's like, yeah, but uh, sweetheart, uh, and little Zoe, something like that. And that was enough for me because, like, I gave you one opportunity, I gave you two. And then I said, listen to me. If you continue being like full of complexes and insecurities and, and resentful in this meeting, we're not going to do anything. So I can't respond to that. So you need to stop being full of insecurities and complexes. And she got shocked then. She left the meeting. But she never also teased me again, I guess. Ah, put an end to it right there. Now, just she so never I- teased me again because that's the thing. And I hate that thing. If someone, and listen to me, all audience here, listen. If somebody gets a knife against you and then you might have a gun and you can pull it against against them, they don't have the right to tell you, Oh, I just put a knife. Why did you pull a gun? I can pull whatever you want, whatever I want. Like at this moment, if you break the pattern of having a healthy communication by start acting in a violent way or being passive aggressive or gossiping and basically escalating something, then I can escalate as much as I want. You are the one that started it. You can't tell me, oh, why you're stronger than me. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want. I, I'm howling. I'm laughing so much. I'm sorry. I'm trying really hard to be professional on this because it's, it's funny because I, I'm like the same way, right? And what's it's hard to tell my clients to be me, but I say you have to find who you are and you have to plant your flag, whatever that means. You can't be a good me, but you have to find out what you're going to say, what you're going to tolerate, and you have to have enough gumption. I call it gumption. To when somebody is truly disrespecting you or putting you down or patronizing you, and you do know, and I agree with you, I think you know the difference between someone who's being old school or just maybe that's the way they were born and raised. I'm in the South. There's a lot of thank yous and ma'ams and whatnot. And you know the difference between people trying to be respectful and they're just old timey versus those people who are really trying to stick a knife in you or just zing you to the point where they know they're they're being coy and, and and irritating to you and they do do it right in front of everybody else so they think you're not going to respond for me and some other individuals we have what we call resting biachi face right it's okay. a look <laughs> it's a what did you just say look and so i just put that in there because it's an alternative of If you understand how your presence is and you can turn, you know, it's the same thing with a mother. Some some mothers know how to look at their kids and their kids snap into to. to, Oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's very Pavlovian in one sense. (laughs) But also, I can't say I agree. I don't believe in nonverbal communication. And the reason I don't believe is that. On the one hand, you have people that are by their nature very guilty. So because of your rest and be a face, they will always think that it's their fault. And then on the other hand, you have the people that are actively being violating and they never think it's their problem. 
So, and you also have people that are completely in their own minds thinking something else. So, for example, if you pull the rest and be face with me, most probably I would think that you're sick today. I would never. <laughs> like in no universe would they think that it has to do something with me. You would have to actually tell me, Zoe, you said this thing and I didn't appreciate it. And then most probably I won't have any idea what you're talking about, but I will apologize and we'll be friends again. So don't believe that your nonverbal signs are strong mm -hmm. because your nonverbal signs are 100% open to the other side's interpretation. Mm. So it has nothing to do with how strong your verbal signs are, and it has everything to do with how their interpretation skills are. Okay. Okay. And I would never, never base my personal relationships with someone, either in job or in social life, based on their interpretation skills of sign language. In other words, um, we don't read any, anybody's mind. We only interpret through our own. Exactly. It has never, we only, and usually it's projection. It's like what I told you about this client before. She said, oh, and by the way, Zoe, I didn't want to insult your methods. And I was like, I would never think that. Mm -hmm. No universe. But because she would think that, she thought that I might think of that. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, there are things that I would probably think and she would never think. Uh, so many clients do this mistake. They come to me and they say, she should have known that I was mad by the fact that I stopped saying good morning uh, every day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I would never notice that. Mm -hmm. Never. And it's my job. It's <laughs> <laughs> my job and there's no universe. Or like sometimes they tell me even crazier things. Like I stopped asking them if they need coffee in the break. Doesn't that mean something? And I'm like, I don't even drink coffee. Like I, 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 some people would probably think that you're just maybe stop having breaks. People, we tend to believe that others spend so much time thinking about us and they don't really. Like we don't, we don't have this capacity. Like think about in a personal level, you might be spending endless time thinking about one person, but then there might be another person that might be thinking of you and you have no idea because you've never shared the thought with them. So why bet and not just ask? Okay, why well, bet? Just ask. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and it's always these things go so fast. <laughs> Zoe, how can people get a hold of you? <laughs> oh, I would love to continue the discussion. So feel free to reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, Instagram. Probably LinkedIn is better. Instagram, too much of my vacation time there. And I have a website, fragwizoe.com. So it would be lovely to get to know more of you guys. All right. Uh, and uh, and you know what? If you really like this interchange between the two of us, or you'd like to see something else with Zoe, in terms of um, one of the things we were talking off camera about is, you know, maybe we should have a live of this. And so if you're interested in a live on this, we would, I think we'd have a lot of fun <laughs> kind of working through <laughs> some of these scenarios. Because I'm interested in what's your scenario? When is it that you feel like you might be mobbed or bullied in the workplace. And we're not talking about, you know, redefine what your picture of bullying means, what your picture of mobbing. It's not always a lot of people. It may not be it. But think of it as in terms of microaggressions. How do you deal with microaggressions effectively in the workplace without you getting all stressed out, without you carrying the weight of the world in terms of doing it? When do you lean in before your emotional state is so over the top 
that now you're part of the problem. How do you resolve the problem? Why do you resolve conflict before you have to think about anything else? Oh, by the way, I think this would be a great conversation for those of you who are managing virtually to have the, the podcast, have your folks do uh, listen to the podcast, and then talk about these kinds of behaviors in your workplace. I think you'd learn an awful lot about what people are thinking. And instead of just you projecting what you think, you'd actually hear what they are thinking. So with that, we'll see you next week. Zoe, thank you so much. Thank you, too. Take care, Denise. Always a pleasure. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.